Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey everybody, Chandler Bolt here, and our guest today is the John Corcoran. He's a fellow Californian and a good friend. I'll tell you a little bit about John. Now, John, is a, he's an attorney, he's a writer, a father, and a former Clinton White House writer and speech writer to the governor of California. Throughout his career, he's worked in Hollywood and the heart of Silicon Valley and owns his own boutique. And he's even owned, he owns, sorry, his own boutique law firm in the San Francisco Bay Area, catering to small business owners and entrepreneurs. He's the creator of Smart Business Revolution and the Smart Business Revolution podcast. So I'm so excited to have John on here because he, he's a renaissance man, as you see. You know, he's, <laughs> he, he's, he's been from, uh, had kind of a lot of different, careers and also on a lot of different sides you know you've got the law side you've got the online business side which he does very well at i don't know how he manages both of them um, but then also <laughs> bring in from early early days of being a writer in the white house so john welcome uh, welcome and i love the way that you phrase that i'm a renaissance man not i can't pick one thing and go with it or <laughs> i get distracted and get excited about the next shiny little object that comes along Hey, it's, so, it's uh, it wrapped in a nice bow there. Yes, um, very well done. But let's, I want to start the interview by by taking us back because uh, I'm sure every, everyone's curious. Now, this is back to kind of the beginning stages. Coming fresh out of college at 23 years old, um, riding in the White House. How did all that come about? It's kind of a funny story. So, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't go to, you know, any Ivy League school. I didn't go to Harvard or Yale or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I actually went to what you consider a party school on the West Coast here, UC Santa Barbara. Um, but I did an internship program. So the White House had an internship program then and now still has an internship program where you can go and intern basically for free, gets academic credit. And so I went and did that. And, and I kind of set a goal of wanting to work at the White House, wanting to get a job as a writer in the White House. I'd always been aspired to be a writer from a young age. I was an English major in college and, and um, was really interested in getting a job back there. But not everyone who had been an intern gets a job at the White House. And so I went back to school, was finishing up school, and really kept in touch with the other speechwriters and writers there, anyone I knew who I worked at the White House and provided value to them, right? You know, like I would send like speeches to them or excerpts or articles that I thought would be valuable to them. And then eventually I heard about there being a job opening. And the funny story is um, I, I got a tip from one of the speechwriters that I might be contacted by this woman who was hiring for this position. And so I knew she might be calling. And then she calls like maybe about a week later and says, um, hey, John, uh, you know, nice to, nice to talk to you. I just want to see if I could get a copy of your resume and some writing samples, blah, 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 I'll tell you about the, what the process was. And I said, sure, I'm happy to send you my resume. And by the way, if you want uh, one of my writing samples, you can just open up today's New York Times. I actually have a letter to the editor on the op-ed page today. And it was a little bit of a coincidence, but I knew that she might be calling. And so I had actually sent out a letter a couple of days earlier, hoping that the timing was right. It just happened to fall on the same day. And the reason I tell that story is because there are things that you can always do in your life that will help position you for success. And oftentimes we don't think about that. We think, oh, wow, this would be a great opportunity. What could I do that would also help me to be successful? And that's a great example of how you can do that to position yourself for success. So you wrote into the New York Times in, yes. like a couple of days prior. A couple of days prior. Yeah, it was just a letter to the editor that got published. And was it just dumb luck or why do you think it got published? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't think I've, I've written a letter to the editor since. So <laughs> I don't know. One and really... only, and it, was, it, it was responsible for a lot of change in your life, right? That's a good point. I probably am ungrateful and I probably should be sending letters to the editor more frequently. But um, so I don't even know if it was a total fluke or if they, you know, it's not that hard to get something published in there. So it just happened to be published on the day that I got the phone call. So it worked out really well. 
Just think if you were to write another letter to the editor, I mean, next thing you know, get two in there, your life could be just... Well, the funny thing... The the funny thing is, if she'd called the next day, then I would have um, been able to say, I have a letter to the editor in the Akron Daily Herald. Um, would you like to see that? <laughs> no, I'm no, I mean, yeah, it's, I joke with people that I like sending letters all across the country to all these different newspapers, and it just happened to be the New York Times on that day. Oh, that's hilarious. Now, yeah. so it obviously worked, right? You got the job. Tell us about what happened then. Um, well, it was a great experience. I mean, um, politics, you can get a lot of responsibility at a young age. I mean, I was 23 years old. I was writing the words for the president, which is incredible. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, it was, I didn't get paid very much. I started at $24,000 a year, if you can believe that. That was the original starting pay. Um, but it was this kind of crazy experience where I'd like literally go to the restroom, like be out of my office walking to go to the bathroom down the hallway. And sometimes the leader of the free world, Bill Clinton, would walk out from like a meeting with like the premier of China or something. And there'd be 50 or 100 different service, you know, security people, secret service and and Chinese secret service people around them. And then they'd stop and like, I remember this happening, like have a conversation in the hallway, a heated conversation. No cameras are around, like arguing, yelling at one another while 100 people just kind of stop and stare and and like literally i was like uh guys i gotta pee like (laughs) can i can i go to the restroom at least and they're like no no no, you have to wait here that's kind of like bizarre to have that kind of experience or going out to the south lawn and seeing the president speak or different you know events that they had out there you know like the easter egg toss you know amazing experiences like that or going and doing taking your family in and doing a tour and seeing the oval office you know i got to do things like that i got to meet the president with my family in the Oval Office, introduce him to my father and my brother and everything. And, and um, yeah, that was incredible at 23 years old that made up for the fact that I wasn't paid very much. And I knew also that I would have this on my resume for the rest of my career. I knew that it would be something that would be interesting, which, by the way, I say this to everyone, embrace what it is, whatever it is that's unique about you. You probably have something and you might not even recognize or, or know it, but there's probably something in you that's unique and different. And I think it's great to embrace that. It helps us remember who you are, what you, what you are, what you stand for. And so I think more of us should do that. And for a long time, I didn't really want to embrace that background because I wanted to be multifaceted. I didn't want to just be known for a job that I had at 23 years old, but then eventually I came to realize that people, that's what was memorable about me. And they didn't stop there. Then once they remembered me about that, then they wanted to know me deeper. And, and I didn't have to be, it wasn't just like a one trick pony or anything. Got it. Now, what, obviously there was a ton of great experiences with that. What are some lessons or some things that you learned, some takeaways that you're using from that job now and what you're doing and in your writing sense? Well, a big one is, um, Here's a story I've, I've told a couple of times before is, is um, so when I was leaving the White House, one of the things they do is they record the, uh, at least then, I don't know if they still do, but they record the historic radio address. So every weekend, the president records a radio address. I think now it's done for YouTube or something like that. But um, they would basically record it in the Oval Office and the president would come in at the last minute and there'd be people gathered around to watch him record it and then to get their picture with him in the Oval Office in front of the desk and all that kind of stuff. And it was all like VIPs, members of Congress, celebrities, that kind of thing. Like really, like it was a very small group of people. It was very hard to get in there. And also people who were employees, but who were leaving, you know, were on their way out. So I was leaving. I was going back to California to work as a speechwriter for the governor of California. And my family came out and um, we were waiting to meet the president. And it's this long line and it goes really fast. Like they were just shake hand, picture gone, shake hand, picture's gone. And we'd gotten a tip beforehand that he was collecting DVD movies and he liked old Western movies. So we got two old Westerns on DVDs. We put a bow on them. We brought them with us. We came down and when it was our chance, we handed over and say, you know, Mr. President, we just want to give you those. We hear you're collecting Western Western movies. You love Westerns. Here you go. And we ended up having like a, a five to seven minute conversation about old Western movies while all these people behind us, the other VIPs are like, who is this guy and why is he holding up the line and why does he get all that conversation? And, and uh, my dad actually used to be a film critic and so he could talk movies about anyone. And, you know, the, the point that I want to leave you from that story is that if I can have a conversation about a normal 
human topic like movies like old western movies with the leader of the free world the man who has his finger on the button the man who's standing in the in the heart of power in the oval office then you can use that same strategy with whatever vip or influencer you have in your life whatever person that is more successful that you'd like to connect with build a relationship with do the same thing you don't need to talk with, about real estate with donald trump you don't need to talk about media building a media empire with oprah winfrey if you meet someone like that have a normal human conversation you're more likely to make connection you're more likely to build a relationship with them love that that's that's a great tip and then so you moved on to um governor of california um, speechwriter. How, how did all that happen? Uh, that was, well, was a little bit of a fluke. Um, I, the way I first heard about it was through a connection, someone who had met a wedding, who lived in Sacramento, knew about a position. And then I ended up sitting down on an airplane next to a woman who had a t-shirt on that said governor of California and ended up talking to her. So those two combined. And then I ended up getting the job and working as a speechwriter for the governor of California. I mean, California has the, I think it's the sixth largest economy if you cut out california's economy sixth largest economy worldwide just california's alone i mean we've got 35 million people it's it's one of the largest states in the united states we've got silicon valley we got hollywood and we got agriculture let's not forget that california is the biggest agricultural state um and not to mention you know a number of other industries as well and so every different topic in the world came across my desk and i had to learn about it very quickly and I had some really bright minds who I could lean on to get that information. And then I had to distill it down to something that would get on the evening news, that would be quotable. And um, it was great training. And then eventually after a while, you kind of get sick of writing the same kind of thing over and over again, which is what we're doing. And eventually I wanted to move on. I decided to go back to law school, but it was a great experience. I worked with some amazing people. It really goes to show you the importance of surrounding yourself with people who energize you. Yeah. And so how did you, because a lot of people would say, John, how did, I mean, you told us how you got these positions, but what about the actual writing skill? Like, where did that come from to be able to write for the president, to be able to write for the governor of California? Like, how did you get that writing skill? And how did you hone that writing skill to be able to do in those positions? Yeah. Well, every different kind of writing has its own unique requirements. And, um, it, for me, it's interesting and challenging to study a new kind of writing and then to get better at that. In recent years, it's been copywriting because I didn't, I'd never really done copywriting before. And then it's something that's been kind of interesting to me. Um, so whenever you get into a new kind of writing position or writing in a new style, it helps, of course, to um, read a lot, read a lot of other writers. Um, and if you're doing speech writing, if you're writing for someone else, then you need to hear them speak a lot in order to absorb how they speak, what they say, read other speeches that they've given, um, and um, read maybe other sources that they're reading, uh, look at their writing. Like for example, at the White House, we would get copies of all outgoing letters that Bill Clinton sent out, including handwritten notes. Any handwritten note, they'd photocopy it, they'd send it to us, and we'd read it over. And you know, it was like just to try and absorb his language. So I think it's, it's a combination of one, um, exposure. So just reading as much as you can of that type of writing that you need to do. And then secondly, doing it over and over and over again. And, um, you know, trying it out, reading it to yourself, reading it to someone else, seeing if it sounds right, getting feedback from other people, being willing to take constructive criticism and improving over time. And it's going to take a little while, but, you know, you can get better at it. And what were some lessons that came out of that that affect the way you write today? Or oh, just okay. maybe techniques yeah. or things yeah. you, or things like that? Well, speech writing is great training ground um, because, you know, it, it can be really difficult to capture people's attention, you know, I mean, it, it, especially if it's someone who doesn't agree with you. You know, you got to think about kind of like in copywriting, you got to think about what's in your audience's head. What are their objections? What are the, you know, you're, you're trying to sell them on an idea, copywriting, selling people on a product or a service. You're selling them on an, on an idea. You're trying to move them to take some action, maybe vote a certain way, maybe do a certain thing, maybe call their congressman, whatever it is, you know, lobby their le legislator, whatever it is. And so you're trying to get them to take that action. And what you need to do is address all the objections and give them metaphors, give them 
ways of understanding, simplifying ideas down to their core essence, and then rebutting the objections that are in their head or the objections that will be raised by other people, the media or other politicians, and, and address them in a way that's on your own territory. That's really important. You know, there are ways of describing certain things. You know, we don't have to get into a whole debate about it, but there are ways of describing certain things. And just e even the words that you use, the language that you use to talk about something frames the way that people understand it. So language is really incredibly important for that reason. So are you, you're, you're talking about the, the way you phrase it, the metaphors, kind of the, like developing your voice. Like, is that how you mean? Or, or what do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I think voice is part of it. But if you're writing for someone else, then it's someone else's voice and you need to adopt their voice. If you're writing for your voice, then that's great. That's that's better. Although it's I think it's important to have a consistent voice, try and have a consistent voice, which kind of comes naturally a lot of the times. Um, but yeah, I think that um, the important thing is to, to practice it over and over again. Um, and to when you're when you're trying to make a persuasive argument at least which a lot of times you are in writing when you're trying to make a persuasive argument to um to understand the other side and and it's very easy to just make the arguments the persuasive arguments that you agree with and not address at all the other side not address at all the objections which oftentimes are legitimate i mean they're you know there's a lot of gray in this world a lot of people like to think of things as being just in black and white but they aren't a lot of things are gray um, I mean, la this last weekend, I was just having a discussion with someone who was asking me like how he was, he, I'm not a criminal defense attorney, but there was another criminal defense attorney there. And this guy who's not an attorney was asking like, how can you be a criminal defense attorney? How can you defend those people? And that's a legitimate objection. And you need to understand from a place of compassion, what his real objection is in order for you to be able to address it and to be able to respond to it and, and get him to understand for example, the role of a criminal defense attorney in society. So it, it really starts with understanding. And then once you understand, then you can address what the real concerns are. Because sometimes people don't express it really well or communicate it or even understand it themselves. They don't really know what's driving underneath what the objection is. You just talked about um, your your career in law and, and we can touch on that as, as well. But one thing that people probably don't know is you're, you're a writer for Art of Manliness. Um, you've been a writer for what, what were some of the other sites? Uh, Forbes, Huffington Post, Psychology Today, I've written for Life Hacker, Business Insider, um, San Francisco Chronicle. Yeah. So we'll talk, we'll get into a little bit later how you got those positions and also how you've leveraged those positions to grow your business. Um, but I do want to talk about the framework. So I'm sure there's a difference. And, and, like when you were the speechwriter at the White House, speechwriter for the governor, what's the difference in the framework and the methodology methodology that you use versus when you're say writing a blog post or writing a you know just hmm. just something for yourself or an email or copywriting? Like, what's the difference in methodology, or is there one? Well, what's funny here is that you are probably so much more disciplined than I am, and I wish I was as good as you because I know you're really big into outlining. And I've never really been good at outlining, honestly. Like, mm -hmm. um, I I would be a better writer probably if I was better, better at outlining. I kind of just like, I'll take a topic, I'll, I'll read a lot on it, and usually I don't even get through all the material before I'm pulling out the word processor and I'm typing up different ideas. And then eventually it starts to create some kind of structure. Now, if I was involved in writing a bigger speech, like um, every governor does a state of the state, which is like the state of the union that the president does. And it's a big speech, very long. And so you have to have more structure to something like that. Um, or like my brother got married last year. And so I, I was best man. I had to give a speech and, you know, I wanted to structure it a certain way. So I was very careful about how I structured that. Um, and I actually really respect when I see a good speech and it's structured really well. Like um, Jim Quick, K-W-I-K. I don't know if you know him. He's a he's a speaker and he does mm -hmm. like speed learning. And he I saw him give give the speech at Mastermind Talks Conference last month, and it, it was just amazing. He did such a great job of of organizing it and keeping it structured. Um, so honestly, like, well, actually, I mean, I, I think when it came to writing speeches, if I was writing a short speech, I didn't really outline it. I just, you know, I mean, I would. 
I I started writing and then I would address different objections. If it was a if it was a piece of legislation that we're promoting or multiple pieces of legislation, I would explain which ones and and explain why we wanted it to get enacted. Um, and then as far as blogging now, I have I actually have more of a structure now, especially when I'm doing a guest post. Like if I'm doing something for Art of Manliness. Get, yeah, let's get into that. I'd love to talk okay. about that. Okay. Like if I'm doing something for Art of Manliness, I've developed a structure. And um, I've seen other bloggers do this as well, where they basically have kind of a formula. And the formula is basically, it's similar to copywriting is very relevant here because it's one, grab their attention with the headline. And then the first line is also grabbing their attention with really speaking to some kind of pain or need or um, concern that they have or a challenge or something like that. Like, like uh, don't you hate it when you walk into a room and you don't know anyone? What do you do? Something like that. Um, and, and so then they're like, oh, yeah, I've experienced that before. I'm going to keep reading. And then you go a little farther and maybe you deepen that a little bit more. You explain it a little bit more. Oh, you, you know, do you go for the cocktail? You know, go, go buy a drink. Do you go to the food table? Do you dive into everyone? Do you wait to the side? Do you check your phone? You know, so people are like kind of experiencing it viscerally. Um, and then work into why this matters, you know, the, kind of the why this matters section of why this is relevant. Well, if you can't dive into it, if you, well, one, it'll happen sooner or later. You come to a room full of people and you don't know anyone. So it's helpful to, to know what to do. And also it'll help your business. It'll help your career. So we put these, you know, I put that in the why this matters section. And then um, after that, I go into, now I'm going to, maybe sometimes there I put a story, which is fun, you know, an interesting story that just gives an example. And then go into bullet points of like five or seven points, like uh, ways in which you can solve the original problem that I highlighted at the beginning. And then try and wrap it up. I usually try and wrap it up with a callback. You know, comedians do callbacks, which is where they, you know, they reference something that they, that they made a joke about earlier. And the audience kind of like gets in on the joke because it's like, oh, yeah, he joked about that earlier. So I try and do that sometimes with my... Um, conclusions because i'm horrible at conclusions so and that's a kind of a lazy easy way of concluding an article um that's pretty much my formula so that's is that the structure that you use every time um for something like an art of manliness post um i get a little more lazy when it's my own blog um if it's uh like forbes or something um i'll probably do something similar to that except um, if it's something more like Forbes or Huffington Post, I'll use more quotes generally. So I will quote someone. So I'll I'll start usually the second or or usually the second paragraph. I'll have a quote from someone in there because that tends to be more of a journalistic style, and people tend to like that kind of writing. Um, so it's a little bit different. But then I'll still do the bullet points down below. Got it. And. Do you have any sort of writing schedule that you you stick to for these posts, or what does that look like? Um, I write for Automanly. It's about once every one to two months, and um, I no, I've <laughs> I, I've been um, I've been a little slow at it lately. I I did it more last year, and this kind of goes to where your business is and what you need to be doing where your business is. Today, not today, not yesterday, not next week, not next year, not a year ago. A year ago, I was doing a lot of guest posting because that was helping get my name out there. And it really worked. I mean, now I've written some for some really big publications and a lot of people know my name, my name from my writing. Um, and that continues to bring people in, join, you know, to join my email list from all that writing I did. But now I'm getting more results from like doing webinars and things like that. So I'm not writing as frequently as I was before, even though I really enjoy writing or my writing just expresses itself in a different way. It might be an email, email to my list, or it might be creating a webinar presentation, which involves writing of course as well. Got it. And I want to circle back to some of that towards the end, talk about how these guest posts have, have grown your authority and business and all that stuff. Um, but before we get to that, we got, got a few other questions. Um, and the first being, how do you come up with your hooks and titles for articles? And I'd love to bring in, you and I were talking uh, last week um, about an article that you're thinking about writing. I'm not sure if you've written it yet, but yeah, I'd yeah, love to yeah. bring in that and maybe yeah. even how do you normally come up with it and then maybe how that one, that one came up. That's a good example. So the one we were talking about was, um, I think you said, as so many entrepreneurs do, 
so what's new? Right. And I said, and I just kind of laughed and I was like, you know, entrepreneurs love to ask other entrepreneurs what's new. And you kind of chuckled. And, and I've said this to a couple other people too, and they kind of get it as well. You know, so on, so many entrepreneurs have entrepreneurial ADD, you know, you're jumping from one thing to another. And so, and that reinforces it. Like you feel like you need to say I'm doing something new, you know, for me, I haven't done anything new for the last six months. I've been doing the same thing because it works. It works. So I'm do, repeating it. And that's what you're supposed to do. So to answer your question, um, I, you know, sometimes it's literally just an idea that comes up in a conversation with someone. And then I bounce it around a little bit with that person. We talk about it and I kind of gauge, does this seem like it's something that resonates with that person? Maybe they're like, yes, yes. Or maybe they're like, like oh. I was when we were talking and you brought up yeah. that. I was like, oh my, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had a couple other people do the same thing, which is telling me, okay, I need to write that, you know? Um, or other times it's, you know, more like asking my wife or asking a friend or Brett McKay is the founder of Art of Manliness, asking him or his wife, Kate, uh, what they think of an idea. Um, you know, with my business, with, with my blog and my podcast, I have a list of hundreds of different ideas that I just haven't had the time to write about that I get from all kinds of different sources, people emailing me back, um, how many comments I get on a blog post, how many emails I get on a topic. Um, webinar engagement, you know, eventually you get a lot of different sources and it's about, then I think it's important that you kind of hone in on what your real focus is. I mean, that's why it's important from the beginning to know who you are, what you write about, what you, what you, what you want to define as your niche in the world. Um, cause it's very easy to get bigger, you know, like you're, you're writing about habit development. And the next thing you know, you're writing about, um, some, food, you know, um, recipe, you know, and it has nothing to do with the core thing you're, you're writing about. And especially in the blogosphere, I think it's important that you define your niche and you master that, and then you can go broader from there. And so you, it sounds like you keep a, a list of ideas or you said hundreds of ideas for even right now for the blog. Yes. Yeah. And how, how do you come up with so many ideas? Like I'm always amazed cause I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself an idea guy. And we have mm -hmm. students like in one of the other interviews, Lise Cartwright, she's just rocking it. And one of our students, and she said, yeah, I've got 30 unwritten books that, mm -hmm. that I, I know I'm going to write. And I've even yeah. got mind maps for like 10 or 15 of them. Mm -hmm. Like how do you come up with that many, with that many ideas? You told us yeah. a little bit, but like, I, I, for me, it's, it's like, you know, I, I don't see that email and think, oh, that's a, that's a blog post article or whatever, or mm -hmm. that's a, but it's, so how do how do you see those things and then turn them in, turn the, your brain on into waking up and seeing that they're yeah. ideas, or I am not even really sure what I'm asking here. Really just the core of it is how do you have so many ideas? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's a couple of sources you can look at. One is just looking at table of contents for other books that are similar in a niche. They probably tackled it a little bit different way than you have, or maybe you're going to combine ideas in a, in a different way. Um, so maybe they've talked about productivity tips and they're really big into tech hacks. And you personally feel like it's really not about the tech hacks. It's really about the mindset. So then you read through that table of contents and you're like, no, that's, that wouldn't go in my table of contents. That wouldn't go in my table of contents. And I completely disagree with that. It's actually the opposite should be what we should cover. And pretty soon you're fleshing out your own table of contents, which is uniquely yours and different. So I think that can be helpful. Another thing is just having conversations. A lot of times, you know, um, my father was a writer too, still is a writer. And he would read, he reads some of my content sometimes. And he says, this is a little thin. That's, that's his phrasing. This is a little thin. And what that means is I haven't done enough research. I don't understand the topic enough. And when you do more research, it'll flesh itself out more. There'll be more meat on the bones, so to speak. And sometimes that's con having conversations, literally interviewing people. One of the things that I really like about interviewing people is, you know, you talk to them on the phone, you take notes they give you ideas. Like you don't even need your own ideas. You can get the ideas from somewhere else. You don't need to come up with them yourself. So I think one of the problems is a lot of people try and just write like Seth Godin, like just pontificating, right? That's the least kind of, that's the least interesting kind of writing, in my opinion, is stuff that's completely first person testimonial. What I think is a lot more interesting is weaving in others' perspectives 
even you know even if you're not quoting them too much but you're you're citing them and you're using them as part of the writing that you're doing so i think if you're if you have trouble generating ideas go to others who've written about similar topics in your niche not just blogs but actual physical books and then secondly interview people interview experts on the topic and they'll give you ideas Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. Do you use any kind of writing schedule or any kind of um, like consistency of writing to spark ideas? Like for me, I did a challenge um, last year where I wrote 365 thank you cards last year. So it was one wow. every single day. And I, I found that it totally switched my, my mind into where Every day I was, because I had to write a thank you card and that was a personal commitment I made to myself, I found myself looking around as like, who can I thank? And I became mm. just way more great, way more grateful because of that. Do you yeah. use a similar thing like in your writing, like by consistently writing, it helps you stumble into more ideas or? or um, no? I did before I had two kids. I was better. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, last uh, not last year, the year before last, I would get up early in the morning sometimes and write. And now I've got kids who accomplish that. They get up early in the morning. Um, I've been using this lately. This is a cool thing, the five-minute journal. Um, Tim Ferriss is a big fan of it. And um, it's very, very short. You sit down and write a few things. It's similar to what you did, like what you're grateful for. And then you um, have oh, some yeah. daily affirmations. Yeah, I do, so I do the five-minute journal like every morning. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, something small like that can kind of get the juices uh, flowing a little bit. Um, you know, something as simple as organizing yourself. I'm big into planning. Um, I've got a stack of planners right here. Like I, every morning I sit down and I plan out what I'm going to do that day. Look at my agenda. I use planners from um, ProductiveFlourishing.com. If you go to that, uh, they've got free planners you can download. They're just paper planners, eight and a half by 11. Um, so I do that each day and then that helps me figure out what I'm going to tackle for the day. So do you, as part of that, do you schedule time to write? No, I don't. Um, I wish I could. Um, if I need to write and really focus on something, I'll leave, I'll leave my office and I'll go like to a coffee shop. A lot of times I get a lot more done that when I'm doing something like that. Um, if, especially if I can turn off the internet or something and just focus on writing something. Um, that's after I've done all the work, like research and interviewing people. And so I've got that content. I just need to put, create it into an actual blog post. Got it. So you, you find that going to a coffee shop, turning off the internet, that's kind of your writing area where you get most done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mostly it's getting away from my inbox because, my email inbox is overflowing. In fact, I'm actually right now hiring an executive assistant who's going to help with that, with tackling some of my email because that is an unending um, treadmill. <laughs> just labyrinth, treadmill, labyrinth, you name it, use the metaphor you like, um, that just does not stop. And you can go in there for a few minutes and pretty soon it's 45 minutes later and you've just been responding to other things that other people are asking you to do instead of generating content. And it's uh, what's unfortunate about it, and maybe some of the people watching this will either they'll relate to it or they will one day. Um, it, mark my word on that. Um, as your audience grows larger, you'll get these emails that are one on one emails from people that are asking a question that's probably been answered by you somewhere before. And you have to make this triage decision, triage decision that's uh, unfortunate, but you have to make this decision that what, what's my greatest value in this world? What's the greatest impact that I can have? And anyone who writes a book, honestly, you're making that decision because you're deciding I'm not going to go out tonight with my friends. I'm going to write this book. I'm not going to go to the beach this weekend. I'm going to write this book. And so when you get, you know, you'll get emails from people that are supportive, that like you, that trust you, that know you, that want to get your 
feedback on things and it'll, it'll hit a point where you can't respond to all of them. Sometimes because the answer is out there somewhere if they did enough digging. Other times because you just won't get anything done. And so it's, it's a tough decision, but there are times you just have to say, I can't answer all these one-on-one emails. I need to devote my time to producing a body of work that will impact a larger body of people. So it's short-term sacrifice, long-term benefit. Is that, what, is that kind of what you mean? Well, it's almost like a willingness to say that you're not going to be able to please everyone um, because someone's not going to respond to their email. And that makes me feel bad. I mean, every time I don't get a response to one of my emails, it's kind of nagging in the back of my head. Um, and you kind of understand intuitively, especially if you email someone who's really busy, who's, who's you know, quite successful, you, you understand why they don't always respond right away. Um, but it's still, I still feel bad about it. Now, that's a, that's a good note. follow-up question on that is – so you're obviously really busy and this is the mind shattering part for me is that you're still running a law office and you've got a really successful online business. So how do you do that? And how do you find the time to write? Cause a lot of people watching this thinking about writing their first book, um, you know, the, the what's the number one object, the objection. Oh, yeah. We always get this don't have enough time. And you're yeah. just talking about, you know, you might not be able to go out with your friends or go to the beach. Yeah. This week. Like that's kind of what I meant by the short-term sacrifice, long-term yeah. benefit. But yeah. how do you find the time to write? Cause if, if anybody, you have an excuse not to have the time to write, but you still do it anyway. Well, I never have as much time to write as I would like. Um, there are, you know, that's why I have a lot of ideas I haven't written about. Uh, that's why I have a lot of books that I haven't written. Um, so you have to be okay with that fact. But on the other hand, you have to be willing to give things up. And um, every time someone tells, complains to me about they don't have enough time, I guarantee you if I really dug in, I asked them questions. So what are you doing tonight? You know, or what are you doing tomorrow morning? Or you know, what are you doing right now? Um, or if you really look at their habits, it really boils down to their habits. What are the things that they're doing you know, on a day-to-day basis? Uh, you know, like... I don't do much social media. I go on social media for less than 15 minutes a day. Um, and yet it's still effective for me. I still get engaged. I just am highly targeted. I engage with people very quickly. Um, and I engage with almost everyone I come across when I go on social media. And I just don't waste a lot of time doing that. I also don't consume a lot of needless um, news information. So I don't spend a lot of time, re- you know, and this this can be controversial with some people, but I don't spend a lot of time reading the newspaper or news sources, especially since it's been a lot of news sources are very, very negative. um, And that saps a lot of energy. Um, And I used to be a total news junkie. I used to be a total political news junkie and everything. You had to be, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and then I've, I've gotten, you know, I've been a junkie for other types of news. You all have, you know, you have a favorite sports team or you love cycling or you love F1 or, you know, whatever it is. And so you just go to that blog or that site and, you know, read about it and pretty soon a lot of time goes by. And when you want to generate content, not consume content, because you want to have an impact on this world, you got to make those tough decisions. And unfortunately, those are not decisions that you make once and then that decision sticks. It's a decision you make 400 times a day. It's a decision that you're constantly battling against, constantly, especially when we're always attached to the internet because we're just one click away from watching cat videos on YouTube, you know? So it's, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a constant battle um, and do whatever it takes. I mean, there are a lot of tech um, shortcuts that can help you out. You know, I just, one that just sped up videos is a cool one. So that's, that'll save me time. I really like that one. Um, you know, did, you t- did I tell you about that last time we talked or did you just find that? Um, Jeremy Wise told me about it. Uh, Enounce is the name of it. Is that the one you, yeah, yeah I, ju- yeah. I just found that as well in the last yeah. month. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, where yeah. has this been my whole life? Cause you're, especially when you're watching tutorials or yeah. videos or webinars or like yeah. anything like that, it's pop that puppy yeah. up to one and a half speed. And you're especially yeah. on trainings where it's like, go over here and click here. Yeah. Now hold yeah, on yeah. as this page loads, like yeah. you speed those up to double speed. And this is if yeah. it was one time speed. 
Yeah, I mean, I listen to books on Audible on one and a half t- speed. I, you know, now I'm going to start using that for videos and everything. Um, so doing, th- you know, doing things faster um, definitely helps. And 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 cut really cutting the main thing. Um, like I'll give just an example from my life. A couple of years ago, two years ago, or something like that, I was really into watching the San Francisco Giants, the baseball team. And they had a great year, won the World Series and everything. And I was really enjoying it, reading different blogs and listening to it in the car and everything. And at the end of the year, it was over and I went cold turkey. And I was like, you know, I spent so much time doing this. And it's, it's you know, we go through our lives like that. And we don't get the stuff that we have inside of us out. And pretty soon, you know, before too long, it'll be too late. And so it's you you gotta you gotta like say to yourself that it's not worth it you know or it, the the benefit to me is going to be worth it you know i know that personally i mean i've produced a ton of content written content over the last two years really three years really focused in on it and i'm so grateful that i did um because the benefits don't stop it's not like you get one benefit they continue if you set up your business in the right way they continue to accrue to you for life and they snowball. We can have a whole discussion about that, but you know, they continue to snowball if you are building an email list, if you're building a community. And so I'm really glad that I put that effort in. Got it. And I want to talk about those benefits in just one second, right before we get to that, how did you break? So you talked about be, used to be a news junkie. Now you're not you used to spend a ton of time watching San Francisco giants now you don't. I'm sure there's a lot of other things like maybe TV or you, you know, whatever those things are. But yeah. how did you flip that switch and what caused you to flip that switch to go off of that and to free up more time for yourself? Um, you know, sometimes it's things like um, we don't have a big screen TV in our house. We have you would laugh if you saw the TV that we have in our house and we have very, very basic cable, whatever we need that Comcast requires us to have in order to have Internet. Um, and I don't, the, the remote doesn't even have batteries in it. So we can't even, so we haven't watched it in months. Um, and then we there's, don't even have there's a TV, internet. so I can't laugh at your TV. <laughs> oh, nice. You're one step on me. So like we mostly use it, honestly, to listen to Pandora music. Um, but we do watch movies, you know, we watch movies from time to time. So, um, so I mean, and with the, for me with the giants, it was going cold Turkey. That was really it. Like when it ended at the end of the year, I was just like, okay, I'm done with this. And you, you know, you'll have some unfortunate, a little bit awkward conversations with people who you used to talk to about these things. And then, and then you have a conversation, you know, nothing that's going on. Um, But, you know, you, you develop other interests, you know, or you just, you, you, you get satisfaction in other ways. Like the satisfaction that I get from knowing who's third baseman for the San Francisco Giants and what his batting averages and what he, how he did in the last series is minuscule by comparison to the satisfaction that I get from producing something and writing, one that will exist forever and people will benefit from forever, and getting a positive email in my inbox, someone saying, thank you so much, this was so helpful to me, thank you, I really appreciated it. That's much more substantial. So, you know, in the short term, you do have to take that sacrifice and and focus and cut everything out. But in the long term, you'll start to get that um, that feedback, that positive feedback, and then that starts to feed you. And I think the big lesson there is the satisfaction of being a content consumer and knowing those stats and everything is temporary and minuscule. But the satisfaction of being a creator is is meaningful and long lasting and it goes yeah. way past that temporary satisfaction or that yeah. short term yeah. like you said of, of watching the game knowing the stats all that that's a that's a great lesson to pull out there um let's let's move on from that and move into the benefits of all this writing so you were touching on this just a second ago these compounding benefits so how is writing for all these big sites built your email list built your business and built online something that you weren't doing a few years ago that now is a huge success how has the writing played into that well it all contributes i mean last year i went from about a thousand subscribers to about six thousand subscribers during the year 
which is a big order of magnitude, it's a six-fold increase, and it was primarily from guest posting. So it was really writing guest posts for other sites, didn't start at the top, didn't start with a high traffic blog, worked my way up to a higher, higher and higher levels um, just by establishing a reputation. And then eventually people start knowing you, you know, I mean, one of my favorite bloggers, one of my favorite writers period is John Morrow, who used to write for copywriter and has his own site boost blog traffic now. And after a couple of months of writing like this, I got an email in my inbox from John saying that he had seen my writing and that he really liked it and wanting to know if I would write for his site. And it was like made my year. I mean, it was like so cool to get that kind of feedback from someone who you really admire as a writer, as a writer, you know? Um, and then it's continued to grow my business. I'll just tell a, a quick little short story. So um, a couple of months ago, my son was, my son's four and a half and he's in preschool and they were having a, a field trip and it was first real field trip. They raised these little guppies, these little trout babies from eggs. They, they were in a fish tank in their classroom and they hatched and then they got bigger and bigger and then they had to go release them into the stream uh in, into the lake for them to to go and it's like this great ceremony they have every year and they needed parents to go and they asked me if i could go and it was right before i was leaving for a conference the day before and i was like oh crap but i agreed to go and you know two years ago if i'd been asked to do that i probably would have had to turn it down because i had more client demands on me then and it was more difficult for me to step away from the office and there was no cell reception where we were going and so I ended up going anyways. I'm so glad I did. I've got some pictures that I'll cherish forever of him and I, and he was holding my hand and we were walking around and just, you know, I was really enjoying it. Just being there as a memory I'll cherish forever. And then, you know, afterwards I, we get back into cell reception and I check my email and I'm like nervous. Oh crap. Like what, you know, what kind of crap hit the fan while I was gone. And I look at my email and I'd made, a thousand dollars while I was gone um, from sales of digital products, <laughs> and that, you know, for some people that might be huge, for other people it might be small. Um, for me, it was very satisfying to know that um, I'm smarter about the way I deploy my resources and my energy now. The way in a traditional service-based business, you you know you you apply an hour's worth of work and you get paid for an hour's worth of work, and that's it, and you never benefit from it again. The model that we're talking about, the model of building an email list, building a following, building a body of work is about creating more momentum. It's why I like the term snowball income. You're building the snowball. It's small at the beginning and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you continue to benefit from that as it rolls on downhill. And um, so I had put pieces in place that I benefited from on the day that I went to my son's field trip. It's not that I did no work. It's that I'd done work, but I'd done them a lot earlier and I continued to benefit from them thanks to the miracle of technology, thanks to, you know, different systems that I'd put in place. So that's amazing to me. And, and there are many other benefits as well that it allows me to be more selective in working with which clients I want to work with. Um, it allows me to take time off and go to a conference or go on vacation and not be stressed the whole time about getting clients when I get back. And so it's great. And so you, you touched on a couple of things when that was when you worked your way up the ladder, you didn't just start with those big sites. Um, but then you also um, talked about how the email list grew sixfold. So you want to talk about how you worked up your way up the ladder in, in the blogging and guest posting world, but then also how specifically um, have those posts, do they feed into your email list and continue to feed into your email list? Well, um, I mean, they continue to, they, it depends on, on which some get more traffic than others, but you know, you'll continue to get subscribers, which is why things, your, your list tends to grow larger and larger, the more guest posts you do. But it's funny because, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say, could you explain the mechanics of that? Cause I feel like a okay. lot of people see a guest post. How does a guest post, sure. especially if they're just starting, like how does a guest post equal email subscribers? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, so First, of course, you have to have an email service set up. So you have to have MailChimp, Aweber, FusionSoft, something like that. And and the, they are inexpensive. They're the, the most effective investment you'll ever make. In fact, if I was starting over to get today, I wouldn't even start a blog. I wouldn't even start a podcast. I would just sign up for lead pages and I'd register a URL and I'd start uh, guest blogging. And I would set up um, lead page landing pages and I would drive 
traffic from those guest posts to those lead page landing pages. And I'd build an email list to a thousand or 2000 or something like that before I ever put any effort into building a blog. Um, the way it, the mechanics of it works is you, first of all, you write a really good guest post. Um, you have to get some kind of connection into that site, but you start at the bottom, you start with someone who doesn't get a lot of traffic and you work your way up, you know, more and more bigger and bigger sites as you go along. And then eventually you can go to another site and be like, Hey, I've written for XYZ, all these different places. You know, can I do a, an article for you or better yet, you get an introduction to someone and then you can write for them. Um, and then, um, literally write a really good post and then the understood thing about guest posting is that you can put a bio at the bottom of yourself and a, a link or a couple of links to some resources and so what you want to do is you want to give away some kind of resource that is relevant and i talk about there's a, a guest post triangle i like to think of a triangle with three different points and there needs to be some kind of connection uh or like um um overlap between the three points. And at one point you have uh, the topic of the blog post that you wrote, the guest post. At another point you have the topic of the site you're writing for. And then on the other point you have the topic of the free resource that you're giving away, which should be related to what you do on your blog. Okay. Those three need to be really connected. Okay. I'll give you like a, as an example, I write about how to build better relationships in business. I wrote a guest post for Digital Photography School, which is for photographers, um, about how to build better relationships and get more photography gigs. And that topic, and then at the bottom, I gave away my free ebook, which is related to how to build better relationships, get more clients, get more revenues. And so there was alignment between the three. Not precisely, though, because it was photographers, and I, I talked to other types of audiences as well. But there was enough alignment that people, after they're done reading this good guest post, they get down to the bottom and they're all hot and bothered and ready to, to take the next step. And then they see, oh, there's this free ebook or there's these free templates or this free tool list that's related to the thing I've just been reading about. I'm going to grab that. And then they're added to your email list. And then you want to follow it up with follow-up messages that educate them on what it is you talk about in the order that you want. And this is the, the, the problem with blogging, you know, in particular is that when it comes to um, a book, you put things in order, you want them to know it. So you could start with the first stuff that they need to know. And then the next thing, and then the next thing, and the next thing, when people uh, come across a blog, they might've come through many different avenues and they don't go through your material in that, in the right order. So your follow-up messages are an opportunity for you to educate them in the order that you want to educate them. Got it. And I love that you touched into the relationship stuff because I want to transition over to that a little bit um, and then we'll wrap. And that is, you know, John, you're, you're one of the most well-connected people that I know. And we haven't really talked about that much on this, this interview, but I mean, but when we first met, it was like, boom, intro, boom, intro, boom, intro. Mm -hmm. To mm -hmm. all these awesome people that I'd never known before and would not know if it wasn't for you. And then as mm -hmm. I started looking, looking around and started talking to friends and stuff, it's like everyone knows John Corcoran and not only that, but John Corcoran knows just everybody who's anybody. So how is writing kind of fed into that? We can talk about the mechanics if we want, or we can talk about the, the guest post. Either way you want to take it. Um, well, uh, you know, writing is – it. I think a lot of people, I mentioned earlier, the first person narrative, like a lot of people will just sit down and write, you know, and I think that's a lost opportunity. Um, I think that writing is a great tool for building relationships because it gives you an excuse to interview people, it gives you an excuse to reach out and put someone in your article. And no matter where you're publishing them, if it's on your own blog or someone else's or some big blog, um, you're giving them some publicity, you're giving them some exposure, some PR. Um, so writing is a tremendous tool for that. And I didn't always know everyone. I did. I, I you know, it's, it's been a couple of years of concerted effort, but I, I mean, part of the reason it comes naturally to me is because one, I moved around a lot as a kid. We didn't just grow up in one community, although, you know, some people are naturally extroverted, but I was forced because we moved every couple of years as a kid to new communities. I was forced to infiltrate and make new friends. And so it comes naturally to me and I've done it in different industries. I did it in politics. I did it in the entertainment industry. I did it in Silicon Valley. I did it in law. I've done it today online. And it's a replicable formula 
that you can use in order to build those relationships. And those relationships will create all kinds of opportunities from guest post opportunities to joint ventures or, or whatever. Um, and so I don't know if I've answered your question well or not, but um, it, it, maybe you can direct yeah, me. So do, do you want to talk about that formula a little bit or? Sure. Yeah, sure. Well, um, yeah, I could do a lot longer answer to this, but um, for starters, um, there's the mindset issue. And this is often the thing that holds people back the most is um, you have to recognize the fact that um, you're, if you're trying to build relationships with like, let's say with a list bloggers or something like that, um, you, they are probably inundated with a lot of, a lot of requests. And so they're used to people asking for something from them. So you don't want to do that. You want to do the opposite. You want to help them. You want to help support them because you like them. You're engaged by them. You're inspired by them. And then the other thing is what's going on in your head, which is, Oh, what could I possibly offer this person? Um, what if they don't respond to my email? What if they don't want to run my guest post? that rejection. So oftentimes we stop ourselves. We stop ourselves from even reaching out in the first place. So it's really important that you overcome that hurdle, that you are okay with some rejection. Um, it's not going to be the end of the world. Uh, you're still going to be fine if you don't receive an email back from some A-list blogger, but you have to just power through it. Uh, and the fruits are worth the labor that you put into it. Um, so, but starting with mindset is really important. Another thing, another strategy I highly recommend people do is what I call my conversation list strategy, which is taking the time to write down a list of the 50 people who you would like to deepen a relationship with over the course of the next 12 months. And they could be people that you know already, or they could be people that you admire that you've never met from afar. And then after you've brainstormed this list of people that are aligned with your career or business objectives, they're going to help you to achieve your objectives. Then you go about finding an opportunity to meet them. And writing, as you mentioned, is a wonderful opportunity to do that because you can interview people. You can send an email and say, hey, I'd like to interview you for this article that I'm writing. And as you work up the ladder, it gets easier and easier. In fact, part of the reason I started writing for places like Huffington Post and Forbes wasn't really because I got a lot of traffic out of it. It was really because I wanted to use that name to meet other people. Because you can send an email to someone and say, I'd like to write something. I'd like to quote you in Forbes. Can you get on the phone for five minutes? People are like, yeah. you know. So, um, so sometimes the writing opportunities create those other relationship opportunities. And oftentimes people don't think about it. They don't think, oh, I've got this opportunity to write for this guest post that gets a lot of exposure. They don't think, okay, who else in my network or one degree out of my network would really benefit from me quoting them in this article? Um, you know, and, and then they, they're just really grateful for that. I mean, Andrew Warner from Mixer D has become a friend, but I first interviewed him for my podcast. And, and shortly after that, I quoted him in Forbes and I got this really nice handwritten note from him, um, about how he'd never been quoted in Forbes before. And he really was grateful for me, including him in that. And it was a, a case of, I got an I wasn't even writing for Forbes then. I was actually co-authoring it with someone else who did write for Forbes. And I used that as an opportunity to deepen that relationship with someone else. That's awesome. And I think that's a, that's a great place to wrap. We've covered a lot of ground here. You know, we went from the White House to, to going into law to going online. And there's a lot of writing, writing tips, a lot of relationship stuff, a lot of guest blogs, leveraging that, using that to grow your email list. That was a common theme. So we've covered a lot of ground here. And most of it's been in the context of, of writing in the context of writing your first book. But I'm sure as we got like a little tease there at the end, of the relationship side of things. I'm sure there's more people that are interested in learning more about that. So where can they go to learn more about you and especially on the relationship building side of things? Sure. Yeah. So smart business revolution, not small business rev revolution, smart business revolution is the website.com. And um, if you go there, I've got my free ebook. I've got a bunch of email templates that uh, can help you when you're reaching out for A-list bloggers or other successful online entrepreneurs that you'd like to connect with. So you can download some of those from there. I've, I publish a podcast as well where I interview people, I interview successful entrepreneurs and I ask them what relationships got them where they are today and how they've used relationships to get where they are today. So go check me out there. You can check out the podcast in iTunes or Stitcher and that's it. Awesome. John, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really enjoyed it. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later.
Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you can be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you could be listening to, YouTube channels that you could be watching. Uh, so thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode. All right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, and then number three, this is probably the most important, uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right, reviews are super important and help the podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, so number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that, I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right, all you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book, Published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step, so how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.